Death, demons, and destruction. Welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel. It's a podcast where a comedian who has never read a Marvel comic book before in his life watches a Marvel movie or TV show and then quizzes someone else who is a Marvel expert, someone who is taught to read with Marvel comics, the yin and indeed the yang of the Marvel journey. Here is a Spooktober episode as we, as we approach Halloween. We have got Marvel's second ever horror, in inverted commas, movie. <laughs> it's the New Mutants episode of our show. Uh, I'm one of your hosts. I'm Rob Alden. I'm a comedian. I'm a writer. And I'm also the Marvel expert in the chair for this episode. And joined as ever by the man who is not a Marvel expert. He's the exact opposite of a Marvel expert. He's a novice. He's powered by ignorance. It's Will Preston. It, it is. No, no no, way of introducing Will Preston and then selling me downwards. This guy's an absolute moron. Selling me downwards. It's like, I don't know. It's a nice turn of phrase, that. Selling You've been... Uh, oi, you've been selling me downwards. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me, where's me washboard? Aye, you've been selling me downwards. <laughs> Off he goes. Uh <laughs> It's, uh, we've got a uh, stacked and packed episode yes. for you today um, as we dive into, I mean, it is it is a horror-themed movie it in is. The New Mutants. It is not quite as horrifying as Marvel's true horror movie that we looked at last year, <laughs> talking about Man-Thing, uh, more a Man-Thing later on. But it's really supernatural, you know. As we are, as we are slap bang in October now, um, and uh, there's an awful lot going on with Marvel and horror themed supernatural stuff. Yes, perfect chance for us to take a look at an X Men spin off show, um, which is just. I mean, there's so much to get to in this episode. Coming up, we go behind the scenes on Marvel's second horror movie and why it entered the world like a wet fart in a lift. We go behind <laughs> the page on the X-Men's first ever spin-off <laughs> comic book. We dive into the complicated histories of the new mutants and the powers of the kids from time travel and demon killing to Asgardian Valkyries and a new race of unkillable immortal mutants. Who is it going to be on this cast that is unkillable and immortal? It's <laughs> all to come in this special Spooktober edition of Marvel vs. Marvel. There is so much to cover in this episode, man. I'm absolutely jazzed about getting to do. I, I, uh, it's a, it's a comic book that I read a huge amount when I was a kid, um, and uh, a very interesting film. I can't wait to hear because I know all the. Well, I don't know, no, but I know it was a laboured journey for the movie to actually get released. Oh. In inverted commas, as it did. So I can't wait for your section, Will, behind the scenes as we get to dive into some of that. I uh, think with uh, Labour Journey, you're selling it downwards again. Because <laughs> I mean, you've got uh, you've got a lot to tell us about, haven't you? Oh, you have so much to look forward to in the production part of this. Behind the production is a, quite a journey. I had such. I actually had a really fun time getting the notes together. I was like, I didn't know that happened. Oh God, this is a story in itself. Absolutely, yeah. it is. Uh, it is a jam-packed episode for you today in October. As the leaves they be falling around us, um, autumn on this side of the Atlantic fall over there in America because trees fall over. No leaves. That's it. They leave, fall down, don't they? Um, I prefer the word autumn, but that's you know, 
Have you ever caught? You have a tendency to call it fall, Will? At all? No, but there's this whole thing of like, uh, oh, I think there's this whole thing of like going, oh, isn't it stupid the way Americans call it fall? And then someone actually countered it with quite an intelligent response, and I can't remember that response, but I remember thinking, oh, okay, maybe actually you, fall you isn't. Can't that bad. remember, but you brought it up anyway. I That's brought it up anyway. You. I, I, I think <laughs> I think it's good for our, for our listeners to do the the hard work themselves. Yeah, yeah keep, sure. Yeah, go keep, keep go and chunking. Google it, and we'll sit here and wait. Um, yeah, like it's weird. I always think it's odd that, that like autumn is just not a word they have, as mm. well as fortnight. This show comes out fortnightly. We can't say that because the Americans don't have that word. That is quite that. That feels weird because it's just such a useful word. They also have bi-monthly. Bi-monthly. Right? That's but bi-monthly has two meanings. Mm. <laughs> because bi-month in the comic book world, bi-monthly can mean once every two months or twice a month. Um, yeah. Anyway, a uh, <laughs> little bit of language barrier chat for you today. Um, we are really uh, putting out tons and tons of um, awesome Halloween-themed, Supernatural-themed content for you in the month of October. You will have already heard last week, going behind the page on Moon Knights, the character who started life as a werewolf hunter in werewolf by night we thought mm. since that's coming out later this month we'll go back and talk about um one of the most famous associations and how it becomes a supernatural hunter and then he becomes a, a, a moon themed vigilante and and all sorts um we've got of course the new mutants uh, in this episode next week we're bringing you behind the page marvel versus marvel revisited goes behind the page on man thing the creation and the history of that character who is of course coming out and appearing in the halloween special and then our next episode will be the the mcu halloween special werewolf by night featuring man thing very very jazz can't wait to see what they've got in store for that it looks very atmospheric and, yeah. and themed and it looks really cool and then um topping off the end of the month Halloween itself, the 31st, we're going to take you behind the page. Marvel vs. Marvel goes to look at the history and the creation of Marvel's first demon-themed superhero, Ghost Rider, um, jam-packed. And the bonus episode over on Patreon for the month of October, Marvel Zombies. I, I ge- genuinely can't wait to expose Will to the most gruesome Marvel story <laughs> ever written i have actually it's... seen some stills in my time of marvel zombies uh, like they post it in some facebook groups and i was like what's going on there and then i read up uh, on it and it was like oh, robert this is kirkman actually a comic. robert kirkman the creator of the walking dead um getting the reins of the marvel universe uh, excited for that yeah um speaking of getting the reins that link doesn't work well no. well if you were father christmas it would work because <laughs> he only gets the reins that's how he, he transports himself no don't work will he grabs the reins down <laughs> in africa just honestly guys the show's <laughs> gonna get better i promise um where, where are you gigging uh, in the month of october anywhere scary uh i'm gigging like in Bob Regis at one point so that's terrifying enough now i'm doing uh, on the 13th of october thursday 13th i'm at uh, laugh train home at the honor oak pub in honor oak that's down in uh, southeast london on the 19th of october wednesday i'm at angel comedy uh, in islington uh, and in uh, on the twenty first of October, I am gigging with Murph Control in Slough. 
And you can always check out what Will, Will's up to on his website, will-preston.co.uk. Mm. Is that right? will-preston.co.uk, or as I like to say, just type my name into Google. It helps my website get to the top. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, if you want to help another website get to the top, go and check out our sponsors, offworldtees.com. Geek shirts made by geeks for geeks. They've got development production hubs all over the world, so wherever you are listening to this, you can get hold of one of their awesome T-shirts. Um, they're talking horror movie-themed this month. They've got from Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th, uh, Halloween-themed, um, all the top slasher shirts and characters. They really have a huge amount of spooky, spooky T-shirts for you guys to check out, um, as well as, of course, all their wonderful sci-fi and action movie tees, comedy tees. Head on over to offworldtees.com and check them out. The backbone of this podcast is that there's two sides of the Marvel journey. There's myself, who was born and raised with a Marvel comic in his hand. <laughs> Not a silver spoon in his mouth, a comic in his hand. Taught to read with Marvel comics and read them my whole life. All these characters I'm well, well versed in and aware of, but it's Will Preston is the other side of that coin who tends to first experience these characters the way the majority of the public do when they appear in movies in TV shows, video games, cartoons, and the like. So, Will, as our resident muggle, we want to dive into your mind and try to understand and find out. I'd been aware of the New Mutants since the 1980s. Mm. Maybe the start. Yeah, yeah, late end of the 80s. But, but for you, when did you... Did you come across them in any other format? They'd made some appearances here and there in cartoons. Well, so yeah, I was about to say, there was a cartoon about the New Mutants, wasn't it? Like X-Men, the New Mutants or something, where they were, no. they were doing a whole load of new lineup or something. Wasn't there that? No. Wasn't made, that there? They, they made, they, I think they've made some, some of the characters have appeared in guest spots in some cartoons over the years. I but swear there's never there been, a... there's never been an X-Men New Mutants. There was something called evolution like there's lots yeah. of different X-Men cartoons but it and it might have been and the, the, some of the characters might have appeared but it's never been the new mutants no. i think that could have been it because i remember seeing a clip of it and i didn't recognize it and wolverine looked a bit different uh it could have been that but i remember seeing a pre they were talking about this film before it came out and they were showing a clip of the opening scene to show you oh by the way this is a uh, next uh, it's kind of an X-Men spin-off film and it's going to be full-on horror and it looked it looked like a horror film at first I was like this is this could be interesting because I think the year before we had the James Gunn film Brightburn which I never saw but I was really intrigued by because that was the superhero horror film wasn't it Brightburn mm. did you ever see it no it did not look appealing to me in the slightest it looked like the first and steps... it's Max Thingamy I think it's a bit of an arsehole oh Max Thingamy Oh, uh, I don't know who that what's is. What's his name? Uh, he's got a famous dad, and he writes things like that. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. God, I, I can't I, think of his dad. It, although I really wasn't, like, pushed to see it, I, I liked the idea of crossing superhero with horror uh, as a genre. I mean, they might, might have delved into it before a little bit with, say, like, maybe Blade, even though that wasn't really a horror. That was more of a vampire action film. And then you had... Wasn't it Spawn? What would you say Spawn, the film, was kind of supposed to be like a horror or something or not? 
Well, hopefully we'll get a chance to take a look at Spawn one day. It's very interesting. Yeah. The comic book certainly has those themes, but the movie was a PG-13, I believe, so you can't really get... You can have, as we say, sometimes you say horror-themed. Mm. Like, you've got supernatural stuff going on, demons and and things like that. But, um, I, I, see, Brightburn, I, I'm always here's what i'm always put off by (laughs) like i don't like the idea when hollywood comes along and goes guys guess what we're doing what if superman like a superman type character was evil and killed people we've just blown all your minds like that's like that's such old hat in the comic book world so i find it very annoying and off-putting when a tv show or a movie comes along and and kind of and and the rea- the reaction from the general public is usually to have their minds blown and to say no this is really good because it shows what would happen if superman killed people it remind- and it just does my head in it reminds me of whenever i talk to someone about the tv show the boys and they go oh the boys is better than any mcu tv show and it's like probably the best tv show on right now and i'm like no not really although i do really love anthony star as homelander and they always like bloody getting excited and frothing about homelander going oh he's he's, he's a great amazing character and it's like he's an interesting character but he's, he's just evil superman with some weird quirks swearing and violence really really appeals to people yeah and I just they have th- this thing of if it doesn't have swearing and violence in it it must be rubbish i i just um, i just i just feel that's yeah. a very teenage early 20s way of looking at things where you think, oh, this is adult stuff. It's got swearing and violence for the yeah. sake of it. Oh, this is great. And then I'm, it, I, you grow past it. You grow things past that it. you think your mom wouldn't approve of. That's <laughs> this that's isn't your mom's superhero film. So, so because Brightburn had come out the year before, you were excited to see other other projects, kind of in in that in the vein of. I, I I just want to see, and this and I'm seeing it more with Marvel now. It's getting quite interesting. Just superhero films uh, spreading over into other genres. I mean, we've we've had it with the first few uh, MCU projects. We've got like a quirky legal comedy. We've got supernatural stuff. We've got uh, what else have we got? We've got like a kind of horror stuff with uh, the Doctor Strange films, uh, the second one, and just just other thing. And like you know, coming of age teen com- stuff with uh, Spider Man. I like seeing that little bridge, that little bridge, and saying, "Hey, we've got another angle. We can tell a superhero story." I think that's really important. How did you feel about about? the fox x verse at this stage then well when well when this man. movie's coming out 2020 or it's been talked about 2019 <laughs> well we know how we've both felt when we saw x-men apocalypse it's like you just Did you, you feel that was like the end that was the end well, yeah yeah no uh, kind of an apt name really when you think about it it was the end for me because it they they've taken the biggest supposedly the biggest like a most important character in X Men. Okay, you might disagree, but for me, it's like this is the big yeah, guy. This is not. head honcho guy. You got to take, you know, face up against. It's because you think of everything like a video game. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's like, um, well, because he's he must be the big boss. No, it's like Magneto and Xavier. Those are the he's he's, he's the final boss of the X Men. <laughs> he's the final boss. He's overpowered. I'm just he's... saying that because I because oh, I can damn. to annoy you. It, it's. It is, however, like one of the great villains yeah. that is being used and, I, and kind of misused, really. I remember it from the him from the cartoon. I remember him from the video games. I understood what an importantly powerful character this was. And then when you see the film, 
and Oscar Isaac, bless him, doing his best as he can with a very yeah. poor script and weird face paint, and it just felt like a wet fart. It was a very limp-handed approach to a film, and I just came away going, uh, you know, around this time, it was like 2016, 2017, I think, I just came away thinking, the MCU's doing so much better right now, (laughs) X-Men, the X-Men films are just on their way out, they've really, really screwed the pooch on this one. But then they did find like success with like oh. other thing like so like Logan and then Deadpool yes. and stuff that wasn't like an X Men movie. So I, I X Men adjacent, yeah. So I think, but it was it was it, you know what it was frustrating for me more than anything else. What was it was frustrating that they can do it if they are smart about it. Yeah. Logan. Uh, uh, Deadpool, they, they can they can get it together and, and make these characters work, but they just they have absolutely screwed the pooch with the main movie franchise and the main universe. They really have. Yeah, I again I say this every time we cover the X Men. I am absolutely looking forward to them being embraced into the arms of Kevin Fig and being introduced into the MCU whatever way we can i really want to see this new iteration of the uncanny x-men so you weren't excited then when the new mutants trailers <laughs> coming out no. and announced and things you weren't thinking oh this no. could be good like logan no. was or like deadpool was you're thinking this is going to suck like x-men apocalypse did i th- no not the necess- thing is x-men apocalypse had this whole like oh we're going to have all these characters it's going to be a big grand thing happening blah, 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 blah. and we're doing it in the 80s and whatnot new mutants i looked at and went that could be uh, a nice cheap little side project that could right. work Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It, they had that feeling of it, and I was like, "I'm okay with this. I'm okay. It doesn't feel like a big superhero film. It knows that they're trying to tell a different kind of story here. I'm fine with that. But at the same time, I can't be bothered to watch it. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think I think I had exactly that that those kind of thoughts, and then I have the added bonus of oh, they're going in kind of the Sinkovich. Um, supernatural scary vein because the yeah. trailer really is quite a spooky scary trailer it's it's uh way it's, more than the movie is <laughs> it's propped up to look like a horror film it's got the same beats as a horror film and some of the film does have those same beats but it's uh, i'll go into my opinions of it later but i appreciate what they were trying to do i appreciate it so then, will um, take us behind the behind the scene. Oh. Take us into the uh, the convoluted journey and roads that this project has to like, sort of get released. I've, I'm really I mean, because it's the last movie standing of the franchise. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, I'm really happy you didn't take us on a break though, because I'm really I've just got the energy. I'm warmed up now to really handle this. Oh God. I feel like crying. No, I've had I've had some coffee this morning and I'm a bit all over the place and I, my emotions are a bit. So I feel it's just we've been on a such we've been on a twenty year journey with the X Men films, a twenty year journey, and wow. I still remember how amazing, how much I loved the first two films. Third one, not so much, and then some of the other films I have. I just remember oh, wanting more, but we knew how good they could be. But let's go through. 
the, uh, the makes let's make sense of the dollars and cents not through all the films but at the important films at the we got the first x-men in 2000 budget 75 million dollars box office 296.3 million dollars what a great start to well, a this is, franchise this is um the first because blade as we talked about when mm. we looked at it isn't really a superhero movie it's coming from a comic book, and it opened a lot of doors mm. for the Hollywood to say, oh, okay, if we use some of these intellectual properties and these characters, we can do some cool stuff, and we can make profitable movies. X-Men is the first proper... It's a suit... It is a... <clears throat> they don't wear proper costumes, do they? But it's the first sort of, like, take take the big, bold sci-fi superhero movie comic book turn it into a movie spend some money on it and wow look at that it's really worked that's the first you know that as we've talked about oh like that is one of the biggest building blocks on the road to the mcu yes indeed then of course we have x-men at its height financially i would say or because people would argue that x2 is the best x-men film x-men Days of Future Past, 2014. I don't think we will be handling this film as we're handling the cartoon version instead, aren't we? No, we're handling the movie. Oh, fantastic, because controversial statement, I actually really like this movie. I think it's a great X-Men movie. There's a lot of fun to be had with that movie. Yes. Um, but but every single rewatch, I'm always going, oh, the only bit I was really looking forward to was the slow motion bit. <laughs> Doesn't ring a bell, but okay. Oh, we'll handle it. Uh, 2014, that was. Budget, 200 to $220 million. Box office, $746 million. That is a good MCU uh, movie right there, isn't it? That's, that, that's- that it? Absolutely. That is. This comes out when the appetite for superhero movies... Has been whetted. Thanks to the MCU, is higher mm. than ever. Yes, absolutely, because that year we also had the second Avengers film, Age of Ultron. As we've talked about, everything from Avengers... Avengers is... It's not the first, because... What's the first billion dollar? Uh, Dark Knight, isn't it? Um, Dark Knight. But it's the the first sort of, like, Marvel billion dollar movie. It's the first one that people... And and that just leads to this explosion of interest in in these pictures. I take it, Um, if if we ever do the the Tim Burton Batman film, uh, there's there's not much call for us to do any of the Christopher Nolan films, is there? I don't know. I don't know how often... Sometimes it feels like Groundhog Day. Hello. (laughs) Well, we have these conversations... Because you bring Batman up in every episode... (laughs) And I, I, as you I, act as like I that's say, a mystery, why I do because I like you've Batman. had this answer a hundred million times. Look, Batman, the the, the original Batman movie <laughs> makes sense for us to look at as we look at our Marvel journey. Mm. Um, because as the Superman movie did, the very first superhero movie, we need to look at these movies that like created. They didn't really create much of an outside. Anyway, they're important to look at. Mm. The character is important to look at because Superman and Batman are the characters yep. that lead to us getting more superheroes in the sixties and stuff. I think the Nolan movies are important on a movie side of things for yeah. changing the way that superhero movies were looked at. Um, Batman Begins 
uh, predates the Iron Man mm. um, in 2008, just. And then The Dark Knight is the first, like, <clears throat> massive, as I said, billion-dollar blockbuster. So they they probably are important to look at. But we will, listen to me, look at me, look at, I'm look looking. at your camera. I'm staring. Lovely. We have an awful lot of Marvel stuff to get through. Yeah. We we're not we're not going to be doing them this year. I don't know if we're going to be doing them next year. So you're just going to have to wait. If you mention Batman one more time, <laughs> I'm turning I'm this turning car this podcast around. <laughs> there won't be any Logan for anyone. <laughs> anyway, then we have its first spin-off, Back to X-Men. First spin-off, uh, Deadpool 2016. And we've covered this so well in our Deadpool episode about how uh, much uh, investment it got back, uh, return on investment it got. Budget, $58 million. Box office, $782.6 million. If I remember right, the most successful R-rated movie of all time at that moment. Um, um, and it may well be the most profitable superhero movie ever made. Yeah, I... Um, can't think of any uh, financially any superhero movie that beats that and that's an example of an unknown movie a character unknown to the movie movie going public completely Mm. unknown a spin-off from the x-men sure but not a character that featured really we don't count x wolverine origins do we Uh, it's not like (laughs) it's not like like spinning logan off into a movie or or I don't know, Cyclops or Storm. Like Storm would have been a good spin-off, wouldn't it? That yeah, would make sense. Yeah. Massive, massive um, acting star with a big public profile and prominent role in that in that in those movies. If you mm. spun Storm off, you go, oh, that makes sense. Deadpool didn't really have a profile or a feature. That's a massive example of what you can do with these characters and these stories and things like from the from the X-Men kind of um library that's kind of an indicator like like it's not impossible to make to take an unknown character to the general public and create a great movie that makes a lot of money absolutely then of course we have uh, the last Fox X Men movie, the last proper X Men movie, which we won't be doing thankfully. But I have seen it: Dark Phoenix, two thousand nineteen, budget two hundred million dollars, box office two hundred and fifty-two point four million dollars. And that is terrible. But That's it also awful. was. I think it's the first victim of the the uh, the Fox Disney. Merger. It feels like a black hole that merger because it didn't. It didn't really. I don't think they finished the movie nope. properly, nope. and they didn't release. You know, it wasn't given a a massive push on release, so there wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't a huge investment. I don't think in the distribution of it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. In the final battle, Magneto's wearing jeans. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, and we come to, of course, the New Mutants came out in twenty twenty. So obviously there are other factors at play here in regards to its success. Budget sixty-seven to eighty million dollars. Box office forty-nine point two million dollars. Ouch. We do have to remember, like, and uh, we've got our little history segment coming up. Yeah, this was released during COVID. Yeah, I don't know what. It's it's really hard. When we look at Black Widow in detail, we'll have to... Yeah. You know, there's no box office to look at. That's the first movie that came to mind. Uh, do you remember, was it Tenet came out? Christopher Nolan's Tenet. That was regarded... That was quite a... I don't want to say a leading movie during COVID, but it was quite... 
it was try- it was one of those movies that were trying to make as a purpose to bit- push people back into the cinema, and then yeah. that failed. And did you ever see Tenet? No, good. It don't. It didn't didn't look like. I'm wishy washy on Nolan. I I get this is this is the movie that made me go. Oh, I can see why every why a lot of people hate Nolan. And I'm like. I'm kind of like fine with Nolan as long as the spectacle's fine because he's all about the big spectacle moment that you're going to see. Like, hey, you remember that bit with the airplanes hanging upside down? Yeah, we did that without CGI. I'm like, oh, that's great to watch. But in Tenet, there is nothing. There is absolutely nothing, and it's awful. Yeah, I think I think uh, this, this I think this thing happens with Nolan where once you've seen like about three or four of his pictures, yeah. you kind of you get his tr- you kind of oh I get I I kind of I think I see through you completely. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing there, is there? It's, um, as a friend of mine said, it's like the subtext and concept of the movies being shouted at you. <laughs> so take us through, take us through them, Will. Take us behind the scenes. Oh boy, is everyone sitting comfortably? Uh, then, then then Willie shall begin. Uh, <laughs> Uncle don't, Willie. Don't call yourself Willie. <laughs> no, I won't. Uh, in 2009, our journey begins. Uh, X-Men film series producer Lauren Schuler Donner revealed to Slash Film her interest in a film adaptation of the New Mutants comics, but that had yet to be pitched to 20th Century Fox. Fast forward to May 2015, Fox finalised a deal to have Josh Boone direct the New Mutants from a script by himself and his childhood friend, Knate Lee, with Simon Kinberg and Lauren Shuler Donner producing. Uh, Josh Boone, of course, is best known for directing the 2014 movie The Fault in Our Stars, a coming-of-age romance film. So quite an interesting uh, selection, but there is a reason for that. Because Boone and Lee originally pitched the film to Kinberg as the first in a trilogy. They actually wrote a, uh, they actually really got in depth to this. They wrote the first in a trilogy and had it uh, as an idea like this. They said, we had a comic book company when we were kids. We would draw comics, stale them together, and then sell them to our uncles or whomever. And we were always obsessed with Marvel comics through the 80s, long as there was a Sam Raimi... uh, long before there was a Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, we had loved this X-Men spin-off, The New Mutants. We had loved Bill Sinkowitz's run with Chris Claremont that had Demon Bear. It was really dark, interesting, and different from the typical X-Men stories that we had read. After I made The Fault in Our Stars, we made Fox a comic book. It walked them through a trilogy of New Mutants films that would build on each other. We used this program called Comic Life and took all the images we had loved from the series and strung them together to show them the movie we wanted to do. So after I made The Fault in Our Stars, I ran back to Fox and said, you've got to let me develop the New Mutants. Nate and I made them a comic book which was like a PDF where we'd gone and taken frames from all these comics we love and strung them into a vision for what the series was going to be. The characters we chose were always the characters. We had plans, obviously, to bring in new characters in the next movie. The character of Warlock was featured in all the early drafts of the script, but it was so expensive we weren't able to do it. Basically, cutting him out of the narrative allowed us to make the film. So our plan was always to have Warlock come back in the next one and try to tell his story then. They were all supposed to be kind of separate horror genre films. The first one's like a rubber reality horror movie. The second second one was going supposed to be an alien invasion movie with Warlock. And then the third one was going to take all these elements from the X-Men crossover from the late 80s and early 90s called Inferno to be a kind of supernatural apocalyptic horror movie. That was the plan. <clears throat> Here we well, go. Well, sounds like a proper fan. 
it does sound like a proper fan and given <laughs> given like it's past X-Men's peak in terms of films. It's an incredibly uh, ambitious plan, would you say? Yeah, it is. But if you look, I mean, ambitious plans are what we're working at in the MCU. Like, bold, ambitious moves are the thing to do. And you don't know that um, Fox is going to go down the... Uh, you know, belly up and get swallowed and all of that. Uh, yeah, this, you've got a bit of steam behind your name, and I, I, I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of like. I think this is a really cool kind of idea. It's it's cool. It's great. It's just I can't get my head back how it was in 2015 because I've I've got the benefit of hindsight. So yeah. it's, it's like whenever you hear someone talking about something before a horrible tragedy happens and they sound optimistic and you're there going, oh, no, I can't watch this. This is going to end awful. And I think there's a lot of validity to someone like Boone who's got this kind of, uh, well, to, he, he made a successful teen movie yeah. um, that I don't know who it appealed to, who went to see it, but it, it was profitable. I remember like, the book being doing the, a big thing. Yeah, doing a, a series of movies that aren't real horror movies, but mm. are that light kind of teens go to see uh, a kind of... You know, there aren't any horror, real horror movies. The, I mean, there are a few, but not, not profitable ones. Yeah. Um, the real the real scary horror ones, like, nobody goes to see because they're kind of artsy, art house stuff. They don't make a lot of money. It's the, uh, the, 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 the smaller ones that... Sorry, the bigger ones that don't really have a huge amount of actual scares in them mm. that are that make a lot of money and i could really see that that kind of working in this in this in this way oh absolutely uh, fun fact boone wanted to use practical effects as much as possible to make the film feel like the horror movies that he grew up with for example he had actors push on sheets of spandex to create the effect of figures pushing through the walls of a room a tech a uh, technique originated by wes craven 10 percent of the film used green screen so quite again, quite ambitious when you think about it, because green screen is so commonplace with superhero films. Sure, yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel it feels it feels the opposite of ambitious to me. It feels like not late, not lazy, I, I suppose, <laughs> but it feels like the way movies should be made. It doesn't feel ambitious. It's like yeah, just do, just make a movie. How how did Wes Craven do it? Do that. Um, but yeah, how did Martin Scorsese do it? He didn't use any green screen, guys. He's a real Kino man, whatever. No, he did because he made that movie where everyone had fake faces, oh, old God. old heads on young bodies. I'm remember. so annoyed at that that the Irishman for so many, but it's it's is worth watching anyway. In January 2018, the film's release date was pushed back to February 22nd, 2019, in order to avoid Deadpool 2. It also allowed time for the reshoots the studio required to make the film more in line with Boone's original vision of a horror movie. So this is the uh, first domino down of the film being pushed back. <laughs> <laughs> Just Because this happened with Dark Phoenix as well as we'll see. Um, in March 2018, Fox again delayed the film's release, distancing it from the February 2019 release date for Dark Phoenix, rescheduling its release for August 2nd, 2019. At this point, the studio believed that the reshoots required were more extensive than previously considered, with intentions to reshoot at least half of the film. Okay, they have no faith in this movie. This is awful. They have no faith in this movie. This is, this is like the rumblings 
of like 2007 where people who monitor Wall Street can see you remember you may watch the big short mm. the big short where they know it's going to happen they're like oh god the housing market is about to collapse it's this feels like that kind of atmosphere the intent well was- I, 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 I... <laughs> This doesn't have anything to do with Fox being sold to Disney. This is just this is a sucky movie. This is just this, but it's this, like, this, this happens in lots of movies. I know where the studio loses faith and saying, "Oh, actually, what we need to do is reshoot half the movie." There's a massive problem with production here. There is, and it, it might be that Boone has made a good movie, but it's just the Fox, the production company, go. This is not the movie we want to make and release. So go and change it. Who knows what the what the actual reshoots are all about? But it's it's a a big indicator of massive problems. The attempt was to make the film as distinct from the other entries in the series as possible, looking towards the variety of Deadpool and Logan. What is your thoughts on committee thinking with this kind of thing? It's difficult. Yeah. I, in, in in just a general rule, I would say um, creativity dies by committee. Yeah. But that being said, I think the MCU has proven that when you have a strong creative vision and a good mm. team behind it, yeah. it, it would seem like having that big infrastructure is what works. What the problem with with committees like this is that they they it seems like they've changed their mind three times. Original concept, reshoot, reshoot again. Like that's the problem. When you keep having different people in charge and the project gets passed off to a different person, a different person, and they've each got a different thing they want to achieve. That's the problem. When you've got strong creative like intent and a vision and people, I'm not putting all you know all the success down at his feet, but Kevin uh, Feige, Kevin Figgy, um, when you've got someone like that, that's that has the right people directly underneath him is driving things forward then it seems like you get a much better you know state of movies coming out don't you think yeah yeah absolutely i, I always I, it, it seems like that's the one thing that trumps the rule is the mcu in the, the way I, yeah but again it's because committees are generally they don't have a good they don't have good leadership yeah. they never have good leadership and unless unless someone is like like this is happening to Josh Boone. If this wouldn't happen to, if someone was involved in this project that was a big name that the movie studio cared about, it wouldn't happen to them. Mm. Probably wouldn't happen to them, right? Absolutely. Um, but, but this is they don't really know what they're doing with this movie. <laughs> they don't really care, and this this happens. Yeah. In addition to adjusting the tone of the film through reshoots, they also plan to change an antagonist subplot in the film. Originally intended to feature the Essex Corporation, which was first teased at the end of X-Men Apocalypse with a post credit scene featuring the reveal of John Hamm as the villain Nathaniel Essex slash Mr. Sinister, Fox requested the reshoots to include a new post credit scene introducing Antonio Banderas as Sunspot's father, Emmanuel DaCosta. Kinberg later denied that an actor was ever cast as Mr. Sinister when he revealed that the character had been intended to be included in the cancelled Gambit film. Ham later revealed that while there were talks to have him play Mr. Sinister, his scene was never filmed. So massive communication issues going on there. Following the acquisition of Fox... I don't don't, don't know if there's massive communication problems there. That seems like a rumour, and then John Ham came out and went, nope, it didn't happen. Nope. I don't know, it seemed like a firm thing. Following no, the, no, John Hamm is the guy that would know, and he said that didn't happen. I'm trying I, to imagine I, I John never signed Hamm the contract. I was just in talks. 
what happened is you reported a rumour that had no evidence <laughs> and then reported what actually happened from a credited person. And then you said, oh, so a lot going on. No, there's not a lot going on. It didn't happen. I'm trying to make it exciting. <laughs> I'm trying to make this more exciting. This is the long production note section. Following the acquisition of Fox by Disney in March 2019, it was revealed that the additional photography had still not taken place. So they didn't care about the movie. No, they, they did didn't. not care about the movie. This needs this needs reshoots, and we're not going to do it. Oh, and decisions being made. Uh, sorry, the additional photography has still not taken place, nor were they planned so far. The work was dependent on Boone's involvement and decisions being made to instead release the film in one of the streaming services owned by the Walt Disney Company. Wow. So even before the pandemic, mm. they're, they're getting ready to make the decision to not release this movie. Yeah. To only put it out on a streaming service. Yeah. That is impressive. So it's not COVID it's- that restricted this movie to to Disney Plus. It's, it's it's like it's like learning like oh it wasn't because of this. People genuinely just hate you for who you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's in August 2019, Disney was reported to be unimpressed with the original cut of the New Mutants, believing it had limited box office potential. In January 2020, Disney's official fan club website, D23, described the film as a new addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a statement that was quickly picked up by fans and reporters. Soon after, all mentions of the film were removed from the website, while Disney identified this as an error and stated that the film would not be part of the MCU. This is like the Morbius stuff all over again. Yeah, this is really This is very similar. How many times did Morbius get pushed back? Yeah. This is incredibly bad. Disney removed the new mutants from its release schedule, along with several other films, on March 12, 2020, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and was looking to reschedule the films released uh, to a later 2020 date. On May 4th, the film was automatically listed for home media pre-order on Amazon based uh, on Amazon based on the film's previous April 2020 release date. Amazon took the listing down hours later after it had been widely reported on. At the time, the film was still expected to receive a theatrical release rather than be released straight to streaming as other films had been during the pandemic. Shortly after, Disney scheduled the film for release on t- August 28th, 2020. Finally, in August 2020, Boone confirmed that there were no talks about incorporating new mutants into the MCU. Wow. Wow. Storied up and down. And it does seem like, you know what? I, I went into this thinking, oh, this movie really got um, done bad by, by COVID, by the, by the lockdown. But now, after all of that, I'm not sure it did. <laughs> it yeah, it's 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 a reveal. It's one of those reveals like, oh, this happened because of a natural disaster. And it's like, no, this happened because of underlying infrastructural issues that you didn't fund or something. You know, like a bridge falling down mm. or something because it was, it was really a bad bridge. It seems like place. it was a badly made, uh, badly made project. Yeah. Um. Well, let's take a little look at what was going on in the world when this movie came out. <laughs> Two um, years ago, great. Yeah, normally, when the last time we did this, we had a lot more historical stuff to chat about. Uh, well, there's a lot to talk about, but it doesn't feel historical. Yeah. Um, but 2020, of course, um, COVID-19 uh, was rampant across the world, and many countries, including the US and the UK, went into lockdown. Um, Joe Biden 
won the uh, the, the presidency at some point in the year. Um, we, the good old United Kingdom, finally left the European Union Ooh. in what is proving to this day as the pound absolutely plummets to be just a staggeringly brilliant decision. What a weak um, pound we by have. all of us. Yeah. Um, there was. It was also the year of. Do you remember the mad wildfires? Oh God, yes. I Australia, this. the worst fire season on record. Six percent of the country of Australia was in flames. Nearly three million animals were killed by the fires. Um, and then Western United States faced a similar record-breaking wildfire breakout later in the year. Um, and then there were also. Um, Tropical storms that uh, were very destructive across Central America, Southeast Asia, and the United States as well, and a a prolonged drought in the U.S., which um, is apparently the worst in uh, twelve hundred years. Well, yeah, but which, absolutely nothing to do with climate change, obviously. No. Um, <laughs> uh, on the lighter note, Zendaya made history as Yay. the youngest person to win an Emmy for mm. her performance in uh, Euphoria. Never um, seen that yet. We talked. We talked about. We've already talked about this on the show on the Spider-Man episode. Good. We can repeat it if you want. No, no, I'm fine. You've, it's you've, a series. You've, you've been rude enough to me. Where uh, it's one of those shows about how it's really important to be a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the most important thing happening in the world. Going to parties and stuff. Um, yeah. There was, of course, the uh, tragic and horrific killing of George Floyd mm. by a uh, police officer. The video of that um, was released and was on news and, and yeah. websites and went everywhere um, and sparking um, all these protests and, and ultimately the Black Lives Matter movement um, and a, uh, a larger national conversation about um, how the police and how everyone uh, views and treats black people. Yeah. Um, Parasite won the Best Picture at the Oscars, being the first non-English language film to win Best Picture. It also went on to win, um, so not only Best Picture, but Best Original Screenplay, Best International Feature, mm. and Best Director for Bong Joon-ho. Have you ever seen Parasite? Yes. It's yeah, just film. brilliant. Mm. I loved yeah, it. really terrific movie. Um, so that's what was going on in 2020 when Marvel finally decided to put New Mutants out of its misery and release it to the world. Let's take a trip behind the page of the New Mutants now and take a look at how these characters were first created in their brief history. Uh, not brief history, but their, a, yeah. a brief dive into their history. Um, we go back to the early 1980s, a time in which the Ultimate, uh, ultimate the Uncanny <laughs> X-Men um, comic has become an absolute powerhouse. Um, thanks to writer Chris Claremont and groundbreaking stories like the Dark Phoenix Saga and Days of Future Past, the X-Men have gone from being an obscure bunch of characters... Uh, and, and a comic that was cancelled um, to not only being revived but becoming the most pop, one of the most popular comics in the entire world. Mm. Um, and you can't just sit on success like that. So, <laughs> editor in chief of Marvel at the time, Jim Shooter, who we've talked about an awful lot, he approaches Chris Claremont about creating a spin-off, something that was rarely done in comic books at the time, a mm. secondary title based on the X Men. We can't let this uh, heat just go to uh, just go to waste. Um, it seems kind of odd to think of it now because there are dozens of comics dedicated to the X Men. Um, 
you know, Uncanny X-Men, X-Men, X-Factor, Generation X, X-Force, Wolverine, Deadpool, <laughs> um, you know, scores more. But what we're talking about is the very first spin-off X-Men project. Mm. This is the very first time Marvel expands the X-Men's little pocket of the Marvel Universe. It's the first moment the X-Men goes from being a single comic to being a franchise in and of itself. And, you know, within... I mean, by the end of the 80s, so not even 10 years later, the X-Men would have so many interconnected comic books that they could have their own, like, massive X-Men storylines and mm. crossover events that never involve any of the rest of the Marvel characters because they've just developed their own section of the universe mm. and that all starts right right here with jim shooter deciding um that the x-men are so popular they can sustain a second title a second comic book a shooter was very hard-nosed about things like this we talked um we talked about him strong arming some other decisions along the way uh in 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 the past he the X-Men editor, Louise Simonson, um, has recalled this period and said, neither Chris nor I really wanted to do it. Mm. We wanted the X-Men to be special and by itself. But Jim Shooter told us that if we didn't come up with a new mutant book, someone else would. Mm. So Louise Simonson and Chris Clement were essentially backed into a corner. Either double your workload and expand the X-Men or you'll have to hand your characters over to someone else at Marvel and sh suddenly share control of what you spent the, the, the whole 70s building and creating and turning into a success. Mm. So Clement decides to sort of give Jim Shooter what he wants. Right. Instead of a second comic book featuring the mega-popular characters of the X-Men, like Cyclops and Storm and Wolverine... Instead of like splitting the comic, like it, it feels like what Jim Shooter wanted was another comic <laughs> that would be another front. Like split the characters. Like we've got lots of X Men. Take half of them and put them in this comic, right? Mm. But Clement was never going to do that. Um, he, he he comes up with a, a comic that would be adjacent to the X Men series. Mm. Clement, an artist called Bob McLeod, came up with a concept that focused on a forgotten aspect of the X Men stories of their history hmm. which is charles xavier running a school that helps young mutants right so the series began by focusing on a and a charles xavier battling depression um, which had been established in in the x-men comics over the recent events of the x-men he'd, he'd watched like a lot of of, of the x-men die he'd seen you know gene gray nearly destroy the universe and then commit suicide um he's grieving about thunderbird and some of the characters that that have, have passed away under his watch and then like um the he'd also recently been led to believe that all the X-Men had been killed uh, yeah. while he wasn't around. And this is something that utterly crushes um, Xavier. And, and sort of everything he's worked towards has turned to ash and dust. And he's not in a good place. The New Mutants then would see Xavier coaxed back into rescuing and teaching a new generation of, 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 teenage, of teenage mutants um, that are struggling with their powers. But it is this very hard line that is right from the start. Instead of training them to become X-Men 
and superheroes and go into fighting Magneto, he forbids these children from ever entering that dangerous world that mm. that has claimed so many lives of the of the of the of the children the students that he used to have and that's so he's simply just a school to help and teach youngsters this um team that clement and mcleod come up with was intended to originally debut in their own series um new mutants issue one um but as the first issue was nearing completion, Jim Shooter steps in again and orders it to be completely reworked into a graphic novel to help save another side project of his. Mm. So he'd come up with a something called Marvel Graphic Novels, a, a line of graphic novel trade paperbacks published between... Uh, well, I think it, it lasted about ten years until the nineties, right? Um, the the books were over what Americans called oversized formats, so they're they're roughly the same size as as British comics, European okay. comics, right? Um, you think of Arbino and Dandy and stuff, which but, are like what you might consider newspaper size. Oh, you mean like the not number of pages, but the actual uh, size of the pages themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah sort of eight by eleven. Eight yeah, inches yeah, by eleven, yeah. um, which is not how the comics are in America. Of course, they have these these smaller ones that have become the, the mm. norm. Um, uh, Jim Shooter kind of envisioned this project as as creating books um, in the European format with cardboard covers, full color slick pages. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I don't think it really technically, especially this New Mutants one. I don't know if you can really consider it a graphic novel because they all tend to be around 22, 24, 30 pages, which is the length of a comic. Um, but they're meant to be self-contained stories and in a prestige format. So um, that was what was going for. Mm. The, the, the the very first edition of the graphic of Marvel graphic novels was The Death of Captain Marvel ah. in 1982. Um, but it was running into a lot of problems because... Part of the uh, vision behind the Marvel graphic novels was to do so, like balance it between having some Marvel stories, but also bringing in um, writers and artists to publish their own work that were not owned by Marvel. Ooh. So it would be a, a strange release format to kind. Of, he was trying to go for this up, upscale, upmarket prestige. You know, he was trying to go for a, a different kind of. Um, different kind of market but he's facing a lot of delays with the contracts that would allow these guys to come in and um, Mm. publish their work for marvel but marvel wouldn't own it but they'd get this percentage and that so the next issue issue four of marvel graphic novels is about to miss its deadline to avoid that from happening jim (laughs) shooter delays the start of the new mutants and orders climate and mcleod and louise simonson to basically adapt the first issue of the New Mutants and turn it into a graphic novel for this for this format, which is what they do. Mm. The first appearance of them is in this odd, oversized Marvel graphic novel, um, and then the story continues in uh, New Mutants issue one. The the team to, to sort of mirror it was intended to mirror the X Men team of the seventies, who all came from different countries and different backgrounds. Mm. The New Mutants team was were made up of characters from a diverse background. Um a Native American mutant, uh, a mutant from, from Vietnam, uh, a mixed race mutant from Brazil, a Scottish mutant with a very strict religious background, 
and a rural working class mutant from the American South. Ah, yeah, yeah. Climate and McLeod um, pushed to have a team where the male characters were outnumbered by the female characters for pretty much the first time, like in any <laughs> superhero comic. Um, it was pretty. It was a, a, a big change and quite like a, a gear shift for the industry. Yeah, I can imagine. And this diversity is becomes a focal point of the team. Mm. So when the new X Men come about in 1975 they are all from different countries but there's nothing not that doesn't that doesn't really pay there's not a huge amount of focus put in to their to their uh, diverse backgrounds or ethnicities or how the world treats them mm. it's all about they're treated differently because they're mutants yeah the original 60s um x-men they deal with being outsiders but it's this metaphor right because they're mutants they're all white american characters it's nothing particularly about it's nothing particularly about them it's about them being mutants Mm. the new mutants focuses on each character being rejected and facing life as an outsider for non-mutant reasons Ah. like all the and all the mutant metaphors that are used in these X-Men books are so much more potent when the mutant in question is of mixed race or is an Asian-American or from a very deprived economic situation. And and that's like a real key aspect of the, of the New Mutants comics and a big thing that makes it different from the actual X-Men. Whereas the, the if you look at the teenaged angst of Peter Parker, the mm. ultimate kind of Marvel teenager... That angst is based around juggling dating and working and responsibilities. The angst of the New Mutants was literally fighting just to exist in a world that doesn't accept you belong there. Mm. Not because you're a mutant. Like, Sunspot, Bobby's very first appearance is he's, um, a, like he's subjected to a, a racially aggravated hate crime on, on the football pitch because he's mixed race. That's like one of the first things we see in the New Mutants. Peter Parker's teenage struggle was kind of like not trying to work out what kind of life and future he wants to choose for himself. Mm. Is it as Spider-Man? Is it as Peter Parker? Is it with this person, Mary Jane? Is it looking after his aunt? Whereas the teenagers in the New Mutants are haunted by like violence and death because of their um, diverse backgrounds, because of because of where they're from, because of who their parents are. Mm. Um, So they're struggling with not having a future to choose at all. The tone is much darker, and the social awareness is much higher. Clement took a a, a very dark tone in this series, and he didn't shy away from depicting, like I said, racially motivating hate crimes, Mm. modern-day slavery, or even sexual assault. Um, At one point, the entire team is killed by an alien being and then they all return to life at the end of the story right sounds kind of de rigueur for a a superhero story oh yeah but the new mutants became the first mainstream comic to really focus on the repercussions of what that would be like death and rebirth something that are tropes of the superhero story the psychological impacts of characters dying kind of haunted the team for a year of storytelling and drove changes in their characters and in their actions um the 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 series unlike the x-men featured a a lot more sci-fi and probably more 
um, mysticism and fantasy elements were introduced. Like, they relied on a lot of wilder, more far-fetched stories than the typical X-Men of the 80s, the late 70s, 80s. Like, um, it had that coming-of-age stuff as the teenagers, but the New Mutants were, like, visiting demonic dimensions, wars in Asgard, alternate Mm. futures, um... They visit this ancient Roman civilization that's been preserved in the Amazon rainforest. Um, it is, it is oddly a, a mysticism, supernatural. They lean more and more into this. That 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 kind of darker tone that the the comic book had was really heightened with the arrival of um, artist Bill Sekovich. Like Sinkovich we've talked about him on our Moon Knight episode. That's where he'd had a lot of success drawing Moon Knight. And we we looked into um, his incredible art style, yeah. um, but he was still working within the confines of like a traditional superhero comic, and the art style that that demands. When he gets to the New Mutants, Sinkovich's art style starts to really evolve and becomes very experimental, highly expressive, kind of avant garde, mm. um, unlike anything ever seen before in in mainstream comics. If you um, can take a look, Will, at the first three images I've sent you as kind of examples of Sinkovich's artwork, like there is nothing like this in superhero comics at the time. Mm. You can can you see how the, there is this kind of um, exper- it is avant garde in the way it's put together. Like it's it's just an incredibly odd way of interesting way of drawing. When was this again? 19 oh when he joined the comic oh gosh 84 85 maybe because like the, the sure. i mean the closest thing i can think of and this is obviously coming way after would be that arkham asylum comic which was um, just start full of stark imagery that was psychological that's 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 bill sekovich yeah yeah oh yeah is that the same guy that's this it? guy yeah yeah no way yeah amazing yeah. um so um the brilliant writer, comic book writer, Gail Simone, um, I'm just going to read some praise about this guy because he's incredible. Um, she spoke about um, Sekovich saying, it's strange to think about Bill Sekovich um, that you can call him the finest artist in comics and still somehow be underselling it. Mm. I've never seen a piece of work by Bill that didn't make me stop whatever noise is going on in the world and my own brain just to marvel at it, to soak it in. Um, to soak in the intelligence and heart of it. You don't just observe Bill's work, you live it. Yeah. Um, and pretty famous um, painter, illustrator, comic book creator Jill Thomas said, his work changed what people expected out of comic book storytelling and sequential art and made it possible for everyone who wanted to use paint as their medium of choice to pick up a brush. To look at it is to experience energy on a page. I am constantly in awe of him. Consistently inspired and revitalized by the amazing art that he creates. Um, as Sinkovich kind of continued to experiment with his art style, he also provided fully painted covers for the New Mutants mm. um, using this paint style instead of, you know, um, one artist does the lines, another artist comes in and does the shading, and another artist comes in and does the coloring. You know, he was painting these gorgeous covers um that's never more apparent than during um this particular era we're going to talk about with this movie um Sinkovich's art style really helped to break through 
almost like the white noise of the traditional comic book art style to help the new mutants really stand out on the shelf it was controversial there are a lot of readers who you know didn't respond to this terribly well you know you go from reading a very traditional um art style to reading this it can be very jarring um but it's really iconic um and it's from this era the sinkovich era that the new mutants began leaning further and further into kind of like the horror side of supernatural elements Mm. and a highlight of 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 which is the demon bear saga from which this movie takes huge elements and inspiration Willie P is the man who will read your messages and your emails and your communicards. Um, drop us a line, Marvel versus Marvel at gmail.com. Tweet to us at Marvel versus. That's a great way. Keep up with us on Twitter. It's a great way to find out what we're up to, what we're doing, what new projects are coming. Um, well, what's in the mailbag this time? First of all, we got Mike Daltz who wrote in to say, I want to say that I've really never found a podcast that does what you guys do. I may be not your target audience because I've been reading Marvel comics since I was a teenager in the noughties and I've spent a fortune on classic collections of Marvel stories from the 80s and 90s. My favourite characters range from Wolverine and Spider-Man to Dark Hawk and the Hood. Ask Rob, he'll know who they are. I don't need Dark, an in- Dark Hawk. Dark Hawk is a deep. It's a deep cut there, uh, Mike. <laughs> a deep cut. Okay. I don't need an introduction to the Marvel universe because I'm pretty much well versed. But I still love your podcast and learn new things from your shows all the time. I've subscribed to a lot of comic book YouTube channels and listened to a lot of Marvel podcasts, but none of them go as deep into the background as you guys do. Marvel that's, that's damn right. That he's not there's no no cap. This no isn't a, cap here. This isn't a compliment. This is just genuine fact. Yeah. <laughs> no cap zone with Mike. Yep. Marvel versus Marvel is the highlight of my month because I know I'm going to get uh, to dive into these massive episodes about the history of Marvel. I download the episodes every Monday and listen every time I'm in the car or going for a run throughout the week. It's gotten to that stage where I can't get in the car unless I've got an episode loaded up and ready to go, even if that means going back to listen to something from the archives. Well, that's right. That's what we're there for. We know long form is what we're all about. Exactly. We're the, masters, we're the masters of it. We're the masters. We remember, we remember hearing the calls at the start. Do you remember that, Will? That the calls at the start of, you can't, you can't do a two-hour Marvel pod- podcast. And then a little bit later on, we'd hear, you guys can't do a, a two-and-a-half-hour, a three-hour. You can't, yeah. you can't, you shouldn't, what are you going to? And we kept going. We kept building bigger and bigger episodes because long form is the future. I can't wait till we get to Infinity War and Endgame because I have a feeling those are going to be big episodes. But more about that later. Anyway, he continues. Last week... There's not, there's not more about that later. There's no updates on Infinity War and Endgame in this when, show. When, no, when, when I say more about that later, <laughs> what I mean is when we get Next to them. Next year. When, when, we, when we eventually get to them, we will right, get to okay. them. Okay. Anyway, he continues. Last week, I realised that I've been taking the piss, as you blokes would say. <laughs> 
as you blokes would say. Okay, Mike. Yeah. God, I, do you know what I love it? I love it when people from across the pond or wherever do that whole thing of like when they when they try to sound British, but it it comes it never come it, it rarely comes across as insulting these days. They actually oh they know the phrases and words we yeah. use quite well. I'm like oh that's he's using the correct vernacular. This podcast makes me makes my week better, and I don't give anything back. It's time Ooh. for me to do the right thing. I've signed up to the Patreon, and I can't wait to get all these bonus episodes. Please don't stop making this incredible podcast. Thanks, Mike. We won't stop. I mean, I'm not going to congratulate you for doing the right thing. Um, you know you need to do it. You know it's what you should do. Yes. Um, you know, it's you do it for you. You don't do it for us. Mm. What I'm going to congratulate you on is, um, hey, man, congratulations. You've got so many more episodes to now listen to so many more bonus shows that you can listen to so that's a congrats for that um and i'm sure you know your the the weight of your soul is lighter now that you've done the right thing and exactly. done the appropriate thing the the uh, dare i say the, the the holy thing and 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 really put something back into the community well done mike well done you emery g had some thoughts on our spider-man episode finally I've been waiting for you to do Spider-Man Homecoming forever. Tom Holland is my favourite actor in the whole MCU and maybe ever might have a tiny bit of a crush. And this was the movie that made me really excited for Marvel. Before the Spider-Man movie, Marvel felt like a lot of old men that was really hard for people of my generation to relate oh and enjoy. Oh my God, Emery. <laughs> oh. oh God. I mean, you're not wrong. I know yeah. you're not wrong. It's just hard. It's just hard for me and Will. We're so old. I know. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. I, you know what? She's really right as well. Like they were all like all the characters were like forty and fifty, weren't they? All the actors. Yeah, they 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 were they 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 looked they were Hollywood fifty by like, that. I mean, they were Hemsworth, sixty, but looked forty. Hemsworth must have been in this. I don't know, maybe late twenties, early thirties. I can't remember. But it's hard. To we tell. start. We start with. Um, yeah, we start with with Tony Stark, who's in his fifties, isn't he? Yeah, that Robert Downey Jr. with that his... must be that must be difficult for uh, for for you know younger viewers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Marvel really should have young actors right from the start. I loved all the behind scenes stuff on the movie and thought it was really funny that they didn't even have teenagers before the nineteen sixties, just what? children <laughs> and adults. Well, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, teenage, yeah, yeah. They, it's not like it's not like you went. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 20. <laughs> I, but there, there wasn't this this social yeah. class, this this yeah generational class thing. Yeah. It was kind of like as soon as you reach that, you're a man now. Go into the woods, kill a bear. Go work. Get, <laughs> yeah, get, go get to, a job, work. start working. Yeah. Please, please, please do more of the Spider-Man movies and more on Kate Bishop and more on Yelena Belova. Thank you for that, Emma. Yeah, I guess that that is the kind of the young crop, isn't it? Um, Haley Steinfeld and um, Florence Pugh. Um, oh, God, I love the her. new generation. Yeah, God, I love her in in, 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 in in as a role. She's really good in it. Finally, Cody remembers New Mutants. I was really looking forward to this when it was announced because the things coming out about it said it was. Wait going- a minute. 
is this actually Cody? This is actually Cody. <laughs> are we thinking. sure? How sure are we this is really Cody? I'm going to do it. You read it to the end, and I'll work out if this is actually Cody. Stop, <laughs> st- start again, please. I'm really tempted to actually <laughs> dig out that letter I got wrong last time and to start reading that letter because I got it so horribly wrong. I was really looking forward to this when it was announced because the things coming out about it said it was going to be a horror, and I was super into horror movies at the time, but it was delayed constantly. When it finally came out, it was fine. I couldn't separate the expectation of it being a horror movie, though, and it wasn't necessarily one. Or maybe it it just wasn't as much horror as I wanted. There were some spooky elements that were cool, but it was mediocre. It wasn't bad, though. Feel like it could have uh, possibly gone somewhere, but the X-Men fatigue was strong at that point. Yes, that was definitely a Cody yeah. original. Uh, thank you, writing Cody. I think you're right. I, it, it, I think I think there's this there is this push for these things that are like horror themed, um, which really kind of just means dark supernatural. I, I suppose. Mm. Um, yeah, we were probably never going to get a real horror movie um, from the kind of superhero um, genre. It wouldn't make any sense really financially, mm, but. Yeah, it is. It is. It then don't advertise your movie that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can always drop us a line, Marvel versus Marvel at gmail dot com. Mm. Because we've got to, uh, you know, if you really want to be part of this community, and we are a community, we are a family. You've got to head over to Patreon dot com slash Marvel versus Marvel. That's where it all happens. I mean, this month alone. Um, on the uh, October the 1st, we released the latest edition of Obscure Marvel, um, our own spin-off show. New Mutants is a spin-off, and Obscure Marvel is a spin-off from this show. And Obscure Marvel is where me and Will tackle the most ridiculous and obscure things that have ever happened in the Marvel Universe. And October brought you <laughs> the incredible Leapfrog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, do you want to tell everyone what his superpower is, Will? Uh, he, he's got boingy shoes. He's got boingy shoes, that's right, folks. Uh, and he fought Daredevil and <laughs> Spider-Man and so much more. Um, that episode is, is out on the Patreon. Um, and, of course, in, 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 in October, our full-length bonus episode, um, our most gruesome tale from Marvel's annals, me and Will take a look at Marvel Zombies, the man behind The Walking Dead, Robert Kirkman, the man behind Invincible, Robert Kirkman, I don't know which one's more gruesome, um, takes his uh, swing at the Marvel Universe and unleashes a terrifying plague that transforms the the Marvel world into one inhabited by zombies. There's so much for us to cover in that one um, spooky themed bonus show for you in October. Mm. Um, and we've got to, you know, we've got to give our shout out, man. We've got to yeah. talk about the people that really, really matter. Um, because there are those that support us, and we love them. There are those that. You know they kick us. They kick us a little bit of change every month to keep the lights on. We love them. There are those that there are jonesing for that bonus episode, so they kick in more and more. You know they want early access. They want obscure Marvel spin-off show. They want Marvel Zombies and the Ultimate Spider-Man episode and the Planet Hulk episode and the Superior Spider-Man episode and the full Civil War. They want all of that, right? So mm. they kick in a little bit more. Then there's the real kings, right? The yeah. world-class wrecking crew, the top 
of the tree who who say yes i want obscure marvel every month yes i want early access to every show yes i want full-length bonus episodes every month and then i want to go even further and i want to give you even more because this show deserves more marvel versus marvel deserves more i'm talking about peter J. Talking about Mikey W, Brandon Schmigielski, Randall Schmidt, George Bingham, Zach Thomas, Bastabier, Sam, and Bindi. These are the top of the tree, the cream of la crop. These guys dig deep to where everyone else digs, then they dig even deeper mm. and they pull it from somewhere else somewhere that a lot of people don't have and they help support this show they help keep the show on the air um we're not going dark anytime soon are we will no 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 we're still here baby oh yeah episodes planned out the wazoo (laughs) thanks to people um who dig deep who go hard they go as hard as we go that's all we ask of you right that's all we ask of you me and will go hard on on these shows every single week we're doing this and all we ask is that you go as hard as us and it's only that top tier that go as hard as us everyone else gives what they can they do what they can and we love them and support them for that it's the world-class wrecking crew who do the real right thing at that top top level and yeah we give them discounts on merch we give them exclusive video content not seen anywhere else in the world and that's just that's just what they have earned. That's just what they deserve in return. You're listening to this, though. And, like, I think... Who, who was the guy's name? Was it Mike? Who said... Yeah, Mike. Mike Dots, who wrote in. And he said... He said, look, I, I realised... He's, he's been a fan for a while, it seems like, right? Yeah. He's been listening for a while. He goes back... He, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, okay, so this is it. So he, he, he listens to it every time he's in, his, he's in his car, and he's on a run, and, and he... Yeah, episodes aren't enough, so he has to go back to the archives. And then he said, he realised he's taking the piss, right? <laughs> That's what he yeah. realises. That's a man. That's a man who who's owning up to his mistake, to his failures, his weaknesses of character, his weaknesses <laughs> of soul, ladies and gentlemen. And I think there's an awful lot out you that are an awful lot like Mike, like Mike was. Because Mike, when he got himself saved, what did he do? He got himself saved. He did the right thing. He gave generously and unselfishly. He gave to support this community. He gave to support this podcast that supported him on his run, supported him every time he's in the car. Do you want to be alone with your own thoughts? I don't <laughs> think so. His hours and hours on Spider-Man Homecoming. You want to think your own thoughts. In this day and age, 2022, the world's falling apart. You don't want to think your own thoughts. No. Let's listen to as much She-Hulk as we can. Let's listen to as much Avengers content as we can. That's what we do. Mike realised he had to give unselfishly of himself back to this community, this congregation, if you will. And I tell you now... (laughs) Standing before this congregation. We're going to pass the hat round. Look, Lottie out there needs saving because you were like Mike. You were like Mike was. Not like Mike is. You were like Mike was. And Mike knew he was taking the piss. And quite frankly, a lot of you out there are doing the same. And what you need to do, get yourselves clean, save your souls, do what needs to be done, do 
the right thing and realize that you're not doing it for you. Sorry, you're not doing it for us. You're mm. doing it for you because we're, you know, we're supported by a big community and you're not part of it just yet. You're nearly there. You're outside in the cold. You're banging on the door. You want to come in. You want bonus content. You want early access. But more importantly than that, you want us to put our arms around you and say, you're part of the gang now. You can only do that. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. It's where you go to clean your soul. It's where you go to get free. It's where you go to do the right thing. Tons of rewards, bonus content, early access, news, get to chat to me and Will. All sorts of cool things at patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. And on the other side of this break, we're going to take our deep dive into Marvel's second horror feature, The New Mutants. (laughs) 